Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount is still as relevant today as it ever has been. He has just spoken about violence, murder, in the previous section, and now he speaks about sex. Violence and sex. Are those not still highly current today. And he starts off his discussion about sex by quoting from the Ten Commandments. And this time the Seventh Commandment, do not commit adultery. Now, adultery, technically, is when a married person has sexual relationships with someone other than their spouse, or if someone has sexual relationships with a married person. And consequently, adultery is simply wrong. There is a myth, a lie, that is communicated implicitly through our media, through songs, through romantic novels, through films. And the myth is simply this, that you will experience greater sexual satisfaction through having multiple sexual encounters, by having sex with different people, by having an affair. And the myth goes on to say, if you're not experiencing these multiple sexual encounters, you're actually missing out. But nothing could be further from the truth. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24 that a man will leave his mother and father and will be united with his wife and they will become one flesh. Sex is an expression of a mutual and exclusive and committed relationship between two people. Sex is a wonderful thing. God invented it for our pleasure. But it needs to be within the context of marriage. And every time we express our love for our partner through giving of our bodies, joining of our bodies in a physical act, the bond and the intimacy between the two of you is deepened and strengthened. You see, true sexual fulfillment is when two people in an exclusive and committed relationship who love each other, who trust each other, who are committed to each other, who care deeply for each other. And as we get to know each other better and better as the years go by, the potential for greater intimacy and greater joy in sex increases. It doesn't decrease. Of course, there's a lot of excitement, I'm sure, and a lot of adrenaline initially if you're having an affair. But it is always short-lived. It always leads to regret and guilt. It leads to betrayal, hurt, and anger. 
It destroys marriages, it destroys families, and it will destroy you. That is why God says, do not commit adultery. He doesn't say it so you won't have any fun. He says it as a safeguard. To safeguard your marriage, to safeguard your family, to safeguard you. And also so that you can be in a a situation where you can experience profound sexual fulfillment through an exclusive and committed relationship with your spouse. Jesus, however, says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 27, You have heard that it was said, Do not commit adultery. And then in verse 28, But I tell you, that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully, a more literal translation would be anyone who looks at a woman with the intended purpose of lusting after her, has already committed adultery with her, In his heart. Again, when Jesus says, But I tell you, we see that Jesus is above the law. Jesus has authority over the law. But when Jesus says that, he doesn't abolish the law, rather, he deepens the law and he shows the true intention of the law, the heart of the law. You see, the intention of the law wasn't that you would stop just short of committing adultery. The intention of the law was that there wouldn't be any inclination within you to ever want to commit adultery. That you would have a a pure heart and a pure mind. That's why Jesus says in verse 28, But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully with the intention to lust after her, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Lust is when you have a desire or you imagine having a sexual relationship with someone other than your spouse. Now, lust isn't sexual temptation. Yes, Jesus is not talking about our natural uh, des- sexual desires and instincts. Otherwise, we'd all be in a lot of trouble. We will all experience sexual desires and sexual temptations. That's normal. That's not lust. Lust is when you entertain those thoughts, when you cultivate those thoughts, when you start fantasizing about those thoughts. And Jesus says that is to commit adultery in your heart. And that is to break the deepest intention of the law. For the law was so that you would have a pure heart and a pure mind. Now Jesus is not saying that lust is just as bad as adultery. What he is saying is that lust is the start of adultery. Lust is is the root of adultery. And he's warning us of the dangers of lust. What are the dangers of lust? Firstly, when we lust, all the elements of an actual adultery are present 
except the act itself. The heart elements are there, are present. Would your spouse or would your partner like to know that? Your heart is there. The only thing lacking normally is the occasion. And the occasion is normally the belief or the assurance that you can get away with it. For when the heart is ready, the action will follow as soon as the occasion presents itself. In other words, if you are continually having lustful thoughts all the time, as soon as you're in a position where you can commit adultery, you will. Secondly, lust will never satisfy our desire. Rather than lusting as a, as a way of satisfying your desire, lusting will only make your desire increase. The more you lust, the more you want to lust, and it's just a downward spiral until it actually leads to the action. The more you choose to lust, the more you cultivate those thoughts, the more likely you are going to enjoy fantasizing. And then eventually it will become a habit that will be very difficult to break. And it won't be long before it becomes an action. So a thought, reap an action. So an action, reap a habit. So a habit, reap a character. Thirdly, lust will diminish intimacy with your spouse or partner. Lust inevitably enters into the realm of fantasy, whereby we project a fantasized image which real people cannot fulfill. We see this in magazines, we see this in, in films, in romantic novels, that they project a fantasized idea of sex, a fantasized idea of what a, what a true man or a true woman should be. They're not real. No one can live up to those expectations. And as a result, it breeds frustration and loss of intimacy with your spouse. Lust also objectifies the other. The other person becomes an object merely to gratify your sexual desires, merely to please you, rather than someone you deeply care about and have an intimate relationship with. Lastly, lust is never a private matter. People say, well, what's the harm? It's all private. It's just within my thoughts. Nothing happens. It very rarely remains a private matter. It almost always ends up in expressing itself in some negative action, which is often called sexual harassment if it's not reciprocated, and if it is reciprocated, it'll probably lead to adultery. Also, don't think that people don't notice the way you look at other people. It's never an entirely private matter. And even if someone was to say, but for me it is, it's a completely, entirely private matter, I never acted out in any way whatsoever, no one ever gets hurt. So even if that was the case, and I don't believe it would be, it still becomes a question of who you are. 
What kind of person are you? For what you do in private, what you do in secret, reveals your true character. So how do we overcome lust? Is it even possible to overcome lust? Well, Jesus says it is. And he gives us some practical advice on how to do this. And we read in verse 29 and verse 30. If your right eye causes you to sin, literally in the Greek it's to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Again, in the Greek, that's Gehenna. That's that fiery rubbish dump just outside of Jerusalem. If your right hand causes you to stumble, again, the word there, stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into Gehenna, that fiery rubbish dump. Now, of course, Jesus is using figure, uh, a figure of speech, a hyperbole, an exaggeration. He's not meant to be taken literally. If it was taken literally, it wouldn't solve the problem. If you gouged out your right eye, you could still lust with your left. In fact, if you were to gouge out both your eyes, chop off both your hands, chop off your legs, it still would not solve the problem. For the problem is not the outward action. The problem is in our heart. It's what's in our mind. So Jesus is using a figure of speech, hyperbole, to make his point. And his point is this. You need to resolve to take radical, drastic action to avoid all temptation. You see, if actual adultery is the result of heart adultery, adultery in the heart, then heart adultery is the result of our adultery. In other words, what you feed your mind is what you will think about, and what you think about is what you will do. So Jesus is saying, if you want to overcome lust, then you need to resolve to take drastic action to cut out all temptation, to ensure that you are not feeding your mind with sexual temptation. That means there might be certain things in our life that we would need to ruthlessly cut out. Certain films, certain websites, certain places. And only you know what your stumbling blocks are. And you need to resolve to ruthlessly cut them out at all costs. For Jesus says it's better to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be destroyed in the fiery rubbish dump. It's better to lose it out on certain experiences in life. It's better to cut out certain things from your life. It's better to get rid of certain things in your life than have your whole life destroyed and your marriage destroyed and your family destroyed because of the burning passions of lust. You see, you can overcome lust. 
But you need to choose to do so. You need to have an absolute resolve to do so. I can remember when I was a youth pastor in South Africa, I would often have young guys come up to me and ask me to pray for them in this, this area. But as I was praying for them over time, I, uh, I realized that they didn't really have the resolve to change. They didn't really have that desire and that want to change. Rather, they were hoping, wishing, that God would just remove lust from them as if by magic. We need to pray. But we need to pray that God would give us the strength to resolve to change. To resolve to switch off the TV, to switch off whatever it is that's causing us to have these sexual desires. To stop thinking and entertaining certain thoughts. The problem, of course, with trying to stop having certain thoughts is uh, if you try to stop having a certain thought, you end up thinking about it. So if I said to you, don't think about an elephant. Whatever you do, don't think about an elephant. You're probably all thinking about an elephant. Because if you're thinking, I mustn't think about it, you're thinking about it. And and that's the problem. What's the solution? Think about something else. God has created us, especially men, with the ability to only be able to think about one thing at a time. So if you're thinking about something else, you're not lusting. So when a lustful thought comes into your mind, stop thinking about it by actively thinking about something else or actively doing something else immediately. It's an ongoing battle. You cannot avoid sexual temptation. But it's a battle you can win Every day. Every time you have a lustful thought or a sexual temptation that comes in, immediately stop thinking about it by actively choosing to think about something else or actively doing something else. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Just as lust can become a habit, you can create a new habit of not lusting, of immediately thinking about something else. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Of course, you also need certain safeguards. In today's age, uh, the internet is probably one of the biggest sources of lasting. You need to ensure that you have the appropriate software on your computer that blocks out pornographic websites and other unhelpful websites. There are many different types of software that can do that. The one I personally use is called K9, and it's free, so install it. You also would probably benefit from having an accountable friend that you can pray with and hold each other accountable. But what happens when we fail? And there will be times when we will fail. Firstly, we need to ask God to forgive us. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says that God is faithful and just, and God will forgive us. But more than just forgive us, He will purify us. 
He will make us clean again. Secondly, we need to be accountable. We need to tell someone. We need to admit it to our partner. Thirdly, we need to choose to follow the path of purity once again. We need to choose to get up and try again. We need to choose to follow Jesus' teaching. Like everything in life, we need to choose to follow Jesus' teaching. Lastly, we need to pray. We need to pray that God would give us wisdom to know what things we need to cut out in our life. What safeguards we need to put in place. And we need to pray for strength. Strength to have the resolve to overcome lust in our life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, won't you forgive us when we have fail to have pure thoughts. Father, won't you purify us? Won't you cleanse us again? Won't you empower us by your Holy Spirit to become the people you want us to be?